0: Welcome to the 24 Minute Bible Podcast, where each week our goal is to simply get a better understanding of God's Word, the Bible. We hope you will get reading this amazing book and join us on this exciting journey. And now, here's your host, Pastor Mark Miner. Well, so glad you uh, tuned in today. My name is Mark Miner. I'm not your professor, I'm not your teacher, I'm not your instructor. I am your tour guide. And we are seeking to navigate this incredible journey that we often call the Bible or the Word of God. So thank you for being a a part of today's journey for the 24 minutes. 20 hours is all I'm asking, 20 hours over the course of a year, 24 minutes a week, and you're going to learn some things, I promise. That's my guarantee, my good housekeeping seal of guarantee to you, that you're going to learn some things. And today we're looking at the book of Deuteronomy. This is episode number 70 in the entire 24-Minute Bible podcast, but this is book number five of the Bible. Of the 66 books, this is number five, 34 chapters chapters. I don't emphasize that. don't care that you know how many chapters are in the book. Uh, I do care that you know what's in the book and the why of the book as much as the what of the book. So today we're going to be looking at the book of Deuteronomy. Now, Deuteronomy is kind of a weird name. Some of the books of the Bible have some weird names. Uh, Some of them are names of prophets. Some of them were attached to them by uh, English authors as they went through the Bible that you might have a different Hebrew name, but but in the Greek and the Latin. And and that is the case with the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, It's a Latin word. Uh, Deuterus, it means second or two in Latin. I had two years of Latin. I can't recall that I remember anything much from it, but uh, I did have two years of Latin uh, in uh, in my educational process, but Deuterus means second or two. Nomos means law. If you talk about economy, that means the nomos of the echo, the law of the house, and that's what economy means, and that's the same two words or similar words in Latin. Well, we put those two words together, deuterus and nomos, and we have Deuteronomy, and it means second word or second law, or we might say it this way, the reprise. And that is indeed uh, what this is. Deuteronomy, and here comes the key phrase. Every week I give you a key phrase, and some of them are easy to understand. Of course, Genesis is beginnings, new beginnings, all kinds of beginnings. That's the book of Genesis, easy. The book of Exodus, the key word is, key phrase is exit. It's the exit out of Egypt, and we understand that. That's simple. Uh, then we have uh Leviticus and of course the Levites were the lawyers of the day. So Levite means law and so the book of Leviticus is all about law. Then we talked last week about numbers and and numbers is about census. They took a census, Moses did at the beginning and at the end of the book of Numbers to count how many people were there. They had grown from 70 to now well over a million people, 603,000 fighting men, men 20 years old and older, the Bible tells us. So the book of Numbers is all about census. That's the key word for the two census in the book of Numbers. Now we come to book number five, Deuteronomy. And it is Moses's, and here's the key phrase, it's a farewell speech. Deuteronomy is the farewell speech. It is the second word or the last word, if you will. It's Moses's reprise. There's been some great farewell speeches throughout the course of history. I'm a baseball fan, and I think of Lou Gehrig, July 4th, 1939. I wasn't there, by the way. Uh, But... his farewell speech, he had just found out about two or three weeks ago that he had developed what's called ALS. We now commonly call it Lou Gehrig's disease. And he can no longer play baseball. And so there he stands on Yankee Field with tens of thousands of people, Babe Ruth to his side and other very famous professional baseball players of that day. Uh, He's facing the 50, 60, 70,000 people there in Yankee Stadium and millions listening on the radio. And here's his farewell speech. He says, I am the luckiest man on the face of the earth. What a powerful farewell speech for a guy who's just found out that he, uh, his, his life has changed with this incredibly debilitating disease, ALS, or Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh, I, I'm also a patriot. I love our country. It's a God-ordained, providential country, greatest country ever was, and I believe ever will be, still is to this very day, with all our problems. And one of our first patriots was a man by the name of Nathan Hale. And I love what he said as he, the noose goes around his neck and he's about to die for his country. One of the first in September of 19, 1776. And these are his words I regret, I only regret that I have but one life to give for my country. I only regret that I have but one life to give for my country. What a farewell speech uh, to, that we remember 200 plus years later. And then there's Dr. Seuss. I don't know if this is a farewell speech or not, but I love what it says. And, and Dr. Seuss's words are these, don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened. Don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened. Dr. Seuss. So there's some great farewell speeches out there. Uh, This is Moses' farewell speech. That's what Deuteronomy is all about. So say it again with me. Farewell speech. That's the key phrase for Deuteronomy. One more time. Farewell speech. Now let's remind ourselves how we got here. Uh, This journey began uh, to, to Deuteronomy. This journey began in Genesis chapter 12. If you'll remember, God spoke to a man, a man who was living in the city of Ur in an area called Chaldea, and Ur of the Chaldees. He spoke to this man, do you remember his name? I hope you do. His name is Abram, or Abraham. And God called Abraham, and when God called Abraham, he gave him some very specific promises. I'm going to give you three of them, there's probably more. But God spoke to Abraham and he said, number one, here's the first promise, he said, God said to Abraham, you will be a father of a mighty nation. Now, they didn't make any sense to Abraham back then because Abraham didn't even have any children. But 430 years later, after the exit and the census, and we see that what began is just Abraham and then 70 people going down into Egypt. Now there's a million, probably closer to 2 million people. God had fulfilled his promise. A mighty nation had risen from the loins of Abram, this man whom God had called. Promise fulfilled. Second promise, all the nations would be blessed through him. That's what God said to Abram. Now, has that happened at this time as we look at Deuteronomy? Probably not, because the nations are going to be blessed when the ultimate goal of God calling Abraham, which is of course the lineage of the Messiah, his name is Jesus. When Jesus is born and fulfilled, that really was all the nations and everybody that's ever been born or ever would be, would be blessed through the sacrifice and the provision and the grace of Jesus. So that promise was coming forth and it was in the midst of being fulfilled, but wasn't totally fulfilled. A third promise is that his family, Abraham's family, His children and generations to come would ultimately take possession of a land that God was going to give to them. It was called the promised land. And so this family would ultimately be living there. And that's where we're at in Deuteronomy. The promise is about to be fulfilled. Now, next week, we're going to talk about Joshua. And we will watch the promise actually be fulfilled as Joshua and the children of Israel take possession of this land that God had promised Abraham 430 plus years earlier. So God makes promises, and that's what we're reviewing right now. He'd made it to Abraham. We're now almost on the cusp of fulfillment of one of those promises. If you remember, uh, we, we find the, the 12 sons of Israel in the last chapter of Genesis in Egypt. All is good. Because Joseph is one of the pharaohs, or at least one of the leaders. All is good for a while, but as we open up the book of Exodus, we realize the political tides and fortunes have turned, and now the children of Israel are no longer favored, but are slaves of the pharaohs of Egypt. They need a deliverer. God's plan is always a man, a man or a woman. It's always a person. It's you. It's you and whatever situation you may be in right now if you're following God you are the answer to somebody's problem you are part of God's deliverance plan believe me God's plan for delivering the children of Israel was a man and his name was Moses you remember the story uh, this deliverer Moses confronts an obstinate pharaoh brings about 12 uh, excuse me 10 10 plagues upon the Egyptians and ultimately these 12 families, now tribes numbering well over a million people, exit Egypt. Now Moses led these people for 40 years. That wasn't the plan. Moses' plan was to lead them to the promised land. That's a journey of a little over a year. And these millions of people make it to Mount Sinai. They get ready to go into the promised land. But of course you remember if you listened last week, They failed to go in, failure to launch. They didn't go in, and therefore they have to wander in the desert, in the Sinai Peninsula for these next 40 years, waiting for this generation to die off so that a new generation, a faithful generation, can go and claim the promised land. Deuteronomy is Moses' farewell speech to these people as they get ready to go into the promised land. Moses is at the end of his term, if you will. He's at the end of his ministry. He's at the end of his life. He's going to die. And Deuteronomy is his farewell speech. Now, let's look at some key concepts concerning the book of Deuteronomy. You can, again, look through the book and, and follow these. There's some different ways to dividing them uh, by other scholars. I'm just giving you what works for me, what makes sense. Uh, I don't care that you know the chapters, I'm going to reference them. But just to understand, what would you say if you had this is your last chance to talk to this people that you've led out of bondage and have led for these last 40 years? Well, he starts off in chapter 5, he reminds them of the Ten Commandments. How could he not? I mean, one of the most life-changing days was when Moses is up on Mount Sinai and he sees the very finger of God carving out of stone and into stone the words of the Ten Commandments, which now abide in the Ark of the Covenant as the children of Israel, carried around everywhere they go, written by the very finger of God. So, in chapter 5, he reminds them of the Ten Commandments. Secondly, he reminds them of the why- That they had spent 40 years in the desert. He reminds them of their disobedience. They had an opportunity to go in, but they, because of faith, because of lack of faith, and because of fear, failed to claim the promise. And that was the reason for the 40 years in the wilderness. Thirdly, he reminds them of the golden calf incident. Well, that was an idol. Well, why would he do that? Because the children of Israel are about to go into the land of Canaan. And the Hittites have an idol. And the Jebusites have idols. And the Philistines have idols. And the Amorites have Everybody has idols. They have pictures of their God. And the children of Israel serve an invisible God. A God who truly is God and not a God made by hands and minds of men. So he reminds them of the golden calf incident. Fourthly, he reminds them of the regulations. In chapters 10 through 26, Moses sort of reiterates, uh, here's the laws, the laws of society, the laws of worship, the laws of, of the priest and how the priesthood works, of the tabernacle, of the offerings, of societal and social relationships. So he, he reminds them of those uh, through chapters 10 through 26 in his farewell speech. Uh, and then in, in uh, fifthly, he lays before them a choice, and we find this in Deuteronomy 27 and 28. He he lays before them a choice. If you go to the Facebook, and again, I encourage you to do that uh, just to see the pictures and the graphs, but on the Facebook side of the 24-Minute Bible Podcast, I have a picture. And the picture is of these two mountains, Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. In between these two mountains, there's a valley. Actually, in the picture, you'll see the city of Shechem, which is built there even today. But when the children of Israel were going into the promised land, they walked this very valley. We would, and between them, between these two mountains, but actually they're hills. They're nothing like the Colorado Rockies or even the Appalachian Mountains. We would call them hills today. And God says he puts six uh, of the uh, tribes on one side and their priests, six on the other side. And, and one side's calling down blessings. The other side's calling down curses. And the children of Israel, all one million plus of them, have to walk through this valley between these two very hills that you're looking at if you see the picture. Now, they have a choice. They can either turn one way and walk in the blessings of God, but if they turn away from God, they're going to walk in the curses of God. They're going to walk away from God, and things are not going to go well for them. So that God, uh, through Moses, reminds them of that, and that's what Deuteronomy 27 and 28 are all, all about. Then he, in Sixthly, he reminds them or renews the covenant. That they have many times as a pastor, I get the chance to uh, someone who's been married 25 or 40 or 50 years, and they'd like to have their vows renewed. And that's really what Joshua, uh, uh, or excuse me, uh, Deuteronomy 29 and 30 are. It's a renewal of the covenant, the covenant that was 40 years ago. Now they're renewing it again. We will do these very things that you are asking Moses. That's what the people said. And then lastly here, uh, there's a transfer of leadership. In in, uh, Deuteronomy 31, uh, God points to Joshua in a sense. He hands him his staff. That's not literal, but in a sense, that's what he does. And he says, here's your leader now. So Joshua is now the one that's going to lead them in the promised land. The end of uh, the book of Deuteronomy, I think, is very romantic, very intimate. Uh, Moses writes a song, whether he sings it or just speaks it over them. God speaks and sings over us. And so Moses is uh, speaking this song over his uh, people that he loves. Uh, They can be uh, uh, obstinate and hard-headed at times, just like your family and mine, Uh, just like your church and mine if you're in a church, Uh, but he loves them. And he speaks his blessing over them. And he enumerates each tribe. And that's if you want to do a deep dive on some study. Look in Deuteronomy 32 and 33. And see what he says to the nation of Issachar. Or the tribe of Dan. Or the tribe of Naphtali or Asher. Some beautiful things. Some prophetic things that he speaks to them. And then chapter 34 is the death of Moses. Moses is gone. Now. Some important concepts to emphasize here. Uh, I I really believe uh, I'm going to emphasize this first. Uh, concept I'm about to say, uh, it was an aha moment for me, and I don't have time to on this short podcast to go into all of it. But I've been to Israel numerous times, and one time uh, we we went down to the Sinai Peninsula. We swam in the Red Sea at a city called Eilat. You can do that today if you want. Uh, but on the way back, we stopped in the Timna Valley and went up in a mountain. And our professor, who actually was an archaeologist uh, trained at Harvard University, and uh, he showed us something that I I it just blew my mind. And what he showed me and showed us, all of us in this group, this college group if you as we were from a university, uh, he showed us what was called proto letters. They had been written by some, uh, maybe Israelite, maybe Egyptian, but they had been written uh, 3,500 plus years ago. And there they were still engraved in this mountain, in the Timna Valley, in the Sinai Peninsula. Now, why am I saying all this? Well, what we learned about that day and what has transformed my understanding of the Bible is something that uh, is is very profound. If you remember, and I have a picture on, again, on the Facebook side, you can look or you know hieroglyphics. If you've seen hieroglyphics, it's a pictorial-based sort of way of communicating. It's very hard to understand until we discovered the Rosetta Stone. Actually, Napoleon uh, and his troops found that. Until we found that, we didn't have a clue how to interpret the hieroglyphics. It's all pictures. It's very cumbersome. It's hard to deal with. It's it's a pictorial-based style of communication. Now, I would ask you a question. Why did God leave the children of Israel in bondage for 400 years? Was he just wanting to punish them for something? Uh, why would he do that? Well, my friends, our God works through cultures. He works through history. He works through civilizations. And something amazing was taking place during these 400 years. It's what my professor was pointing out as I looked at the mountain there in the, in the Timna Valley in the Sinai Peninsula. For the first time, the most incredible invention of all of human civilization is the invention of the alphabet. Here's what was going on, if I can describe it to you. Uh, the Hebrew, or the, the word for the bull, was called Aleph. And if you can just imagine, an Aleph has a bull, has two horns going up, at it's sort of an angle, and it comes down to a point. Uh, Think of it this way. If you took an A and turned it upside down, there's the face of a bull. An aleph is a bull. And rather than having pictures, they began to represent sounds with symbols. And so the ah, ah, ah and aleph became a symbol. There was also another thing, a house, and a house, of course, is square, rectangular uh, in, a, in a sense, and uh, it might have a window or a door in it, and it's called Beth. Bethlehem is the city where Jesus was born. It means house of bread, Beth. Well, if you take the Aleph and the Beth and you put them together, you have the Alpha Beth and for the first time it's called protocyanetic, proto meaning the beginning, cyanetic meaning it comes from the, the Sinai Peninsula, we instead of having the pictures of the Egyptians, we now have symbols that can be manipulated. In other words, we now have words. And the only way that The first five books of the Bible could be communicated from Genesis and creation onto the Exodus, onto the laws, and and all the different nuances of the things that we find. That could never have have been communicated with pictures. It had to be with words. And God, during those 400 years, allows for the alphabet to be formed. And now he speaks to Moses in his tent of meeting. And Moses writes down words. He communicates concepts in a very powerful, profound, manipulative, and understandable way. It's called words because God is the Word. And Jesus is the Word of God, the, Old Testament, the New Testament says. Uh, so now we have the Word. I, I truly believe you could never have written the Bible. We could never have understood about God until the alphabet was formed And now here's Moses writing these first five books of the Bible. Specific regulations, dietary and hygiene revelations and and all these things that could never have been communicated by the Egyptian hieroglyphics or the cuneiform of the Samaritans, but. Now we have these letters. If you want to look at Psalms 119 sometimes, it's broken down to all the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And you'll at least begin to get an idea of the different symbols as they are now in the Hebrew. But it became the basis of our alphabet and the 26 characters that we represent in English today. Profound things all taking place during the time of Moses and the children of Israel being in bondage. God has a plan, and he works it out in his own time and to his own purpose. It's amazing to me. let's talk about the Torah for a minute. It's also called the Pentateuch. Penta means five, and that's a Greek word. But the Jews would call it the Torah. The Torah is the first five books of the Bible. Oftentimes in the New Testament, you will hear Jesus refer to the Law and the Prophets. Well, the Law is the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, and the Prophets is everything else in the Old Testament. The Law and the Prophets, so uh, the books of Moses are called the Torah, or the uh, the books of the Law. Let's talk about Moses for just a moment to close out here. Uh, Moses was an incredible man. He was God's chosen man, and uh, Moses experienced some incredible things, uh, but. Was Moses real? If you go to seminary, especially what I will say is liberal thinking, higher form criticism, and they'll say, oh, Moses didn't write the the Old Testament. It's just a compilation, those first five books of the Bible. Who knows who wrote those? Probably a thousand years after Moses was dead. I'm sorry, my friend. I don't accept that at all. And the reason I don't accept it is not because I'm so smart, but, but because my Messiah doesn't. Over 20 times in the New Testament, Jesus refers to Moses as the author of the law of the first five books of the Bible. What does Moses say Jesus referred to? You have Moses and the prophets, Jesus said many times. So uh, no doubt Moses was an incredible man, a chosen instrument and vessel to write the first Uh, Five books of the Bible. In fact, four times at least in the Old Testament, in the the books of the law, we have that Moses and God were face to face. And God is speaking to Moses as God speaks with a friend. Uh, In fact, it ends out, Deuteronomy chapter 34 ends out, uh, speaking of the fact that God and Moses had a face-to-face relationship, even in the New Testament. Of course, Moses with Elijah comes down and stands on a mountain in front of Jesus while Jesus is here on earth in his earthly ministry. So I don't have any problem believing that Moses, as God spoke to him, wrote the first five books of the Bible, and we can trust them in our journey to understand the Bible. Now, Moses' death, as we close out here, uh, Moses... uh, got to see the Promised Land. Uh, you, I have a picture again of Mount Nebo. There's actually a plaque put up by uh, one of the Franciscan brothers or one of the different sects of the Catholic Church that uh, says this is Mount Nebo. And you can stand on Mount Nebo and see the different places of the Promised Land, but it is not in the Promised Land. It is on the other side of the Jordan. Uh, <clears throat> and one of the amazing things uh, that makes Moses so unique is verse 34, 5 found in Deuteronomy. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord, and God buried him. Think about that for a minute. No one else in the whole Bible does it say that God buried them. And yet God himself, not the people, not Joshua, nobody was there. It was just Moses and God. And Moses gives up literally his ghost, and God the Father buries the body of Moses somewhere unknown to anyone in the land of Moab. Interestingly, Jude 1.9 refers to uh, something going on there because it says that the archangel Michael and, David and the devil were disputing had a fight over the body of Moses. Now, I don't understand what that means, but I'm just telling you folks, there's a lot of things in the spiritual realm that are much more profound and much more real than what we experience in our, quote, physical world fake news. Hey, we have a fake life sometime, but what God says and what God does in the spiritual realm is real. Okay, key memory verse. Each week for the last four weeks and now in week five, I'm giving you one short verse. I encourage you to memorize these verses. It's not hard. You already know this verse because the Pharisees asked Jesus, what is the most important commandment at all? And Jesus quoted this verse in Matthew 22. We find it in Deuteronomy 6, 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Deuteronomy 6. Five. So that's your memory verse. All right, class is almost over. The tour guy's is about ready to step back into the van and head on back home for some lemonade. But uh, we've had a hot and dry and dusty but productive journey, I trust. But let me just say this in closing. Next week, we'll talk about Joshua. But also next week, I am going to provide for you in some different formats. Here it comes. A test. Oh, I know you didn't sign up for a test. But look, folks, if you're learning something, you need to evaluate it. You need to test yourself. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a great review. Uh, And so I'm I'm going to be giving you a test over the first five books of the Bible. If you want to take that, it's an open book, open life test. Uh, Just have at it. It'll be fun. I will say this, though. I'm working on some kind of a prize. I know you like rewards. So I'm going to work on some kind of a prize so that if you email that to me at uh, the 24 Bible at gmail.com, I'll say more about that next week. If you email it or get it to me in some form or fashion, I'm going to try to reward you for your efforts uh, just because you can have something. That way you can have a plaque, something to eat, something to wear, a new car. I don't know. We'll have something, but you'll enjoy it. Hey, thanks for listening today. Uh, next week, as I said, uh, episode 71. My goodness, it's been 71 weeks we've been doing this. Uh, We're going to look at the book of Joshua. So thank you for the journey today, for being a part of it. I trust you'll learn some things uh, and uh, tell some other people about this. Write a review, if you would. That helps Facebook and and, uh, your... Spotify and whatever format you use for your podcast, it helps them to know that people are listening and they'll promote it in some ways. I don't know what that means, uh, but uh, my people tell me uh, that's a good way to get it out. So let some people know about it. Tell them you like it if it's been helpful to you. Thank you so much. Have a great blessed week. Look forward to talking with you again next week. Thank you so much for listening to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and look forward to continuing this journey to understanding the Bible, please subscribe to our channel. And if you would be so kind, share it with your friends who might enjoy it. We would also love it if you would leave us a review. It really does help us. Join us next week for another episode as we work our way through the Bible book by book. Have a blessed week.